0: Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. And Lord, this wonderful series that we've been in on grace and how many here have been touched and challenged and have grown just in the last few weeks as their view of you has changed, as they've been set free from many false beliefs that they perhaps up somewhere along the line and carried into their relationship. So, uh, thank you for what you have been doing. Thank you for what you are doing. And, and by faith, what you will continue to do as we are faithful to the preaching and teaching and application of your word. So, uh, we commit this time to you now. I ask once again that the uh, person of the Holy Spirit would uh, be the teacher. That you would open our hearts and our minds to understand your word and then not just be hearers, but ultimately doers. And as our minds are renewed through obedience, that uh, we would be transformed. And metamorphosis would continue to happen. So, Father, we love you and commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, if you look in your sermon notes there, uh, on the first part where it says, Sermon notes. On the first half, it's really, uh, I, I summarized the first bullet point, the definition of grace, God's unmerited slash undeserved favor shown to people who are totally undeserving of it, right? We spent almost a month or so on that. And out of that definition, we were challenged with three false beliefs, right? If you look under there, I must prove to God that I am worthy to continue receiving His grace, right? Galatians 3 3 was the answer to that. Are you so foolish? after beginning in the spirit are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort right then we looked at the other one i must pay back god for his grace sometimes as believers we sort of are overwhelmed and we understand man you know I'll, i'm going to heaven because i put my faith in jesus and it's all grace and there's nothing i can do to, you know just other than receive it but we developed this sense of payback and we saw can you pay back a gift you might have a desire to but when you begin to actually pay back a gift, what do you do to the gift? You nullify it. Right? You nullify it. God's grace is simply to be what? Received. Received. Right? And then the last one that we spent a few weeks on, I must punish myself before receiving and enjoying God's grace. Right? In these two wonderful verses, Hebrews 10, 17 and 18, God says, "Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin, right? And we, we, we spent a few weeks asking ourselves, how many of us are really good at beating ourselves up for the stuff, right? How many of you have a shoulda, woulda, coulda list? Right? How many of you have a list like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right? And, and we've learned that when you come to Jesus and, and put your faith and receive God's grace, He remembers your sin, What? No more. And we saw the, the devil likes to remind you of it. And you might have family and friends that like to remind you of it. But does God remember it? No. And the radical thing, that's a step of faith. A step of faith is to look at yourself differently in the mirror. Right? And I gave you that whole sheet of all the I am's. Right? So instead of looking at yourself in the mirror with your list of past sins and all your should have, would have, couldas in life, I encourage you to put that list of I am's on your mirror. And start to see yourself that way. Some of you have done that and it's radically transforming you every morning to be reminded that I'm a saint. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God, right? And then we saw the examples of Paul. What was the Apostle Paul doing before he met Jesus? What was he doing? Persecuting the church. In fact, he set out to destroy it. And we saw, if if we were back in that day, on a Sunday morning, the Apostle Paul would probably show up here and haul us all off to jail. And quite frankly, many of us wouldn't have come out. That's, that's Saul. That was the, the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. And, and when we looked about that, if there's anyone in the Bible, really, that had a past, if there's anyone in the Bible that had to, by faith, say, Wow! Wow! I got a lot of regret. I got a lot of guilt. I got a lot of shame. I hurt a lot of people. I killed a lot of people. Right? If there's anyone in the Bible who, who, who had to by faith be what? Released from that burden. It was who? The Apostle Paul. And then the, on the bottom there, right? This phenomenal statement he makes in 1 Corinthians 15. But by the grace of God, what? I am what I am. Right? That's all that I am. Right? I am what I am. Because I persecuted the church, I'm the least of the apostles. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. How many of you love that? Because who does that apply to? Us as we sit here. Whoo, whoo! You know I shared with you. You know how I feel uncomfortable going to high school reunions. Why? Because all my high school buddies remember what me from high school. I show up as a Christian, let alone a pastor. You're a what? You know, all I can say, literally all I can say and all you can say is, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right? I don't get it either. <laughs> right? You can literally say, you know what? I agree with you. I don't get it either because I know how I was. But isn't it great? Isn't that liberating? Isn't it freeing? Right? So we spent all those weeks, and I encourage you, it's one thing to get it here. I know we can get it here, but you got you got to get it here. Grace, this, this study on grace... I literally have no idea how long we're going to be here because I want to let it, what we call marinate. <laughs> got to marinate. Why do, you, why do you let meat marinate? What's the purpose, Susan? What is the purpose of marination? Tenderizing and, and you want it to get, you want the flavor to get in there, right? You want to give it time to sit. Well, when, we, when we've been talking about God's grace, here's the deal. We got to sit. Don't be in a hurry. Just let it sit. And when I, when the purpose of that is go from here to here. Here to here. That's, that's sitting in it. That's just resting in it. Meditating on it. Letting it go over and over. Okay? So then if you go back to the second bullet under definition, we transitioned. We started last uh, Sunday to expand our definition of grace out of the merit and demerit aspect. So we said this. Grace refers to the essential character of God. And tells us what kind of God he is. From a God of grace comes multitudes of graces that meet our need. Grace is that intrinsic quality of God's being or essence by which he is spontaneously favorable in his disposition and actions. A lot to chew on. In a nutshell, what we're starting to do last Sunday and even this Sunday moving forward is ask this question, right? Look at the front of your bulletin. It's a a great quote. I think mine's down here. Right? What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when you think about God, right? And many of us grew up in a variety of church backgrounds, maybe even unchurched. And, And the question is, right, if I were to say God, what picture comes into your mind? God, what picture comes into your mind, right? And that picture... Directly influences your daily interaction with Him. We just spent time singing. We just spent time praying. And depending on your view of God, you were embracing that or it was just weird. We sang a song about, There's no place I'd rather be than in your arms of love. Some of you are like, Sweet, yeah, God's arms of love. I love God. God is such a good God. And you're like, Arms of love? Arms of love? How about arms of wrath? You know, there's no place I'd rather be than out of your arm reach, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and last, last Sunday, uh, we had an opportunity to do the chapel at the continuing care that we do once a month. And this was on my heart. So I, I started and I, and I showed uh, the residents there two pictures. And I said, which one of these is your picture of God? said, which one of these is your picture of God? Right? And of course, they all pointed to which one? Which one is your picture? This one, right? And it opened up a wonderful time of sharing because I said, how many of you want to sing to this God? How many of you want to pray to this God? How many of you want to draw near and walk 24-7 with this God? Right? And yet, and yet if we were honest, How many of us grew up or tend to look at it this way? Let's just... Right? I kind of did. You know, in my church tradition growing up, God was sort of distant and uh, He was a rules God and you just didn't want to get Him too mad. As long as you did okay and your scales balanced out and He wasn't too mad at you and you didn't break the biggies, the big commandments, you were okay. And a lot of us, you know... This is difficult to grasp. If I said, Teresa, God is smiling at you right now. Really? Right? Isn't that, isn't that kind of... Teresa. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I know, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Or I say, Wes. God's looking down on you right now like that, bud. Right? Isn't that it? It's kind of strange. Because many of us may have grown up in, in homes, in our relationships and with, with parents or authority figures or even in school where oftentimes it was just you don't measure up, you're not good enough, if only, if only, if only. And along comes God's Word and says, no, from the get-go, God's been a God of grace. His disposition is favorable. Right? How many of you woke up in a good mood today? Really? How many of you didn't wake up in a... Such a good mood today. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate that, right? All right? So let me ask you. You ever wonder what kind of disposition God has daily? Right? We saw in the definition, God is a God of grace. He is spontaneously favorable in His disposition. God wakes up this way. Right? He never sleeps, right? But, but His disposition never changes. God, we know from Malachi, He doesn't change. Now how many of you have moody days? <laughs> how many of you are sitting next to someone who has moody days, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're like, amen, bro. <laughs> Mike, which one was she? Don't answer that. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But isn't that crazy? If, if we could what would happen to your relationship with the Lord if you woke up and you believed that He's this 24-7 because he doesn't change. Because he's a God of what? Grace. He's a God of grace. And yet our society sort of plays tricks with us. You know, I thought of, in light of all this rain, all of you homeowners out there, if you read the fine print in your policy, right, there's a little phrase where they're going to kind of cover everything but what? Acts of God. We're going to cover everything in your policy except Acts of God. Flood, earthquake, tornado, lightning strike. Those are what? Acts of God. And somehow, right? What is that? What image is that portraying? Right? An act of God. It's all negative and you're left out to oh great. Great. Thanks God. Thanks God. Everything is covered with something you do. Right? Isn't that weird? And, and, and that, that sinks into us, right? And if we're not careful, we buy into that, that if something happens, what? Who sent it? God. God must be punishing me. God must be. God must be. And then all of a sudden, we flip our view of Him, and anything negative, we blame who? God. And it's complete opposite of Him being a God of what? Grace. So that, that's what I'm saying. We got we got to we got to sit here. We got to marinate in this here. Some of you got to start waking up with a smile on your face because God's got a smile on His face, amen. See, our, our our circumstances might change, the weather might change, our health might change, our finances might change, our relationships might change, our career might change, but God's gracious disposition never changes. Whew! We talk about wanting peace and stability and security. You know, our world is changing so much. Things, countries, invading countries, and all change, stock market. And many of us are just looking for what? Stability. Look at God. You want stability in a crazy world? Look at God. He doesn't change. His grace is who He is. It's it's the essence of His being, right? And so if you flip your notes over, we begin this other false belief which ties into our image of God it says I must placate or pacify an angry God right to placate means to soothe or appease by concession. so some of us have this false belief that God's genuinely just generally angry his disposition is one of you know I'm just ticked I'm just generally ticked and, and we have this idea that we just got to go through life and our whole goal is to placate him to appease him, to not get him to mad, right? And I shared last, last Sunday, how many of us have ever, when we were growing up, we were at home, and sort of the general rule is when you're home and you're a little kid and dad might be around, you don't what? bother him. Don't do anything to disturb him, right? Go about your business, you might play, yada, yada, but don't do anything that's going to make dad come out of his room. And sometimes we have this view of God. Just sort of this do not disturb. And we, and we just sort of tiptoe around Him. And, and our whole uh, view and our whole relationship with the Lord is sort of based on what? Appeasement, placating, not messing up. Oh. And what does that do? It creates burden. Right? It robs you of joy. You're no longer free because you're just trying what? Not to mess up. There's a, there's a, uh, a phrase in, in sports when you're playing games. You might have heard this before, right? A team gets ahead and they say, okay, here's the deal. we got to play to win. You can't start playing not to lose. Anyone ever hear that? Playing not to lose. What that means is a team, even to get ahead, instead of playing freely and still enjoying themselves and playing hard, what they do is we got such a big lead, let's not blow it. So they they start thinking too much, they mess up, they start, you know, uh oh, because all they're trying to do is not lose. And it becomes bondage and it becomes burden. And and God's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't adopt you into my family so that you're going to live 24-7 under this burden of not blowing it too bad. That's a false belief. It's a false belief. Look at this verse. I love it in your outline. Psalm 103, eight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in what? Love. Some of you need to memorize that verse. You need to memorize that verse because that's, that verse is going to help you change your view of God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding, abounding in love. Woo. That's awesome. That's the God I want to know. Amen. That's the God I want to sing to. That's the God I want to pray to. That's the God I want on my side. <laughs> right? And so if you're going to renew your mind, if that's going to change your relationship with God, you got to get Scripture from here to here. And memorization is huge. That's a great verse for somebody to make a, a life verse or a memory verse for the next week or month, right? And so we're talking about God's character. And, and last week we began looking at God as a God of grace through creation. Through creation, right? So turn to Genesis 1. Actually, turn to Exodus but. We, we end up turn to Exodus, second book of the Bible. So we're looking at what does the Bible say? How how can we change our view of God? And we, we we start in the beginning. Let's start in the beginning with Genesis, right? And and it was interesting. I was sharing with Bill, how many of us as believers, or you know, just where you are with the Lord we tend to pick up God and his relationship with man at the fall, Right? We, if I say, hey, tell me, tell, me about, um, tell me about God and what he did early. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, God kicked them out of the garden, put, a, put a, an angel with a sword. You know, women are going to have a hard time uh, in childbirth and men are going to have to... Right? We sorta of pick up the God story in relationship to man where? At the fall. And we skip Genesis one and two. And, and and you gotta stay here. If you will focus on God and his character in Genesis one and two, oh my gosh, you're gonna it's gonna go right in line with changing your view of who he was from the get go. From the get go. So we're gonna get to Genesis one and two in a sec, but let's look at Exodus three. Right. God is calling Moses to set his people free. Moses is freaking out. Right. Exodus 3.13, Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you, last Sunday we looked a more in depth at that, but for purposes of today, in, in that blank right there, it says God is self-existent, slash self-sufficient. Okay, God does not exist on a timeline. We, we this this idea of a timeline is a human construct. It's a finite thing. Okay, God does not exist on a timeline. I am means I just have always been. No beginning, no end. I just I don't exist on this timeline that humans have. He's outside the timeline. He just has always been. He's self existent, self sufficient. What does that mean? It means he didn't need us. We we tend in our culture to have a very elevated view of who? Self, human. I am. When God says I am, he's like, you know what? I was chill. I was good. I am. Somebody, we got to just chew on that for a little bit. He, he always has been. Okay? He's good. He's, he, he's fine. He's fine without us. Okay? So then, so then we ask ourselves, so in Genesis 1, go to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? Uh, Ding, 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 right? Because He wanted to, right? God wanted to create us. Whoo! You ever feel like you're on the outs? Like you don't belong? Do they really want me here? I'm the third wheel. God wanted a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. He didn't need us to complete Himself. So at the beginning of creation, in the beginning God created because He wanted to. not that awesome? He wanted to. Okay? Now many of you are going right to Genesis 3 in the fall, and that's messing you up right now. Don't go there. <laughs> yeah, but we sinned. No, you did it. Don't go there. We're just right here. Stay in 1 and 2. God was self-existent. Genesis 1, 1, He wanted to. OK, he wanted to. Right. And then many are familiar. Right. He creates uh, different things. And after each day, what do you say? It is. It is good. And we asked we asked this question last Sunday. was it good for? Was God like, whoa? let there be light, dude, that's good. <laughs> was it about him? No, when he said, hey, that's good, and that's good, and that's good, it was for whose benefit? Ours. Ours. And it's funny because we skip over, right, it says in verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God thought that the light was good. Before that it says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep, right? Did God have to create light? He was light. But did he have to create light for us? No, we wouldn't have known, right? Does a fish know it's in water? It just knows that it's in something. It's just, that's all it knows, right? God could have just left it dark. But out of his grace, for our benefit, boom, let's throw light. How many of you enjoy light? How many of you appreciate light when there is no light, right? Who created light? God. For whose benefit? And then he creates man, and he says, it's not good. What? That man should be alone, right? So he creates Eve, right, for who is good. Now, ladies, turn to your husband and say, see, I told you it is for your good that I am here, right? (laughs) He knows we needed help, right? I'll make him a helper because these clowns don't know what they're doing, right? In God's grace, He says, Hey, it's not good for man to be alone. In His grace, I'm going to create woman. It's grace. Do you see grace throughout the creation story? It's good. It's good. It's good. For whose benefit? Ours. Ours. All the elements of creation, Eve, light, it's all for our good. Right? And I shared this with with Mike yesterday. How many of you ever hosted or planned a party at your house? And you were excited to. It was a good You were excited to, right? And you set the table, and you're preparing everything. How many have ever sat back when all is said and done before the guests arrive, and you look back and go, this is good. How many have ever had that moment? Like, it's ready. And you can't wait for them to get there, right? Because you know they're going to enjoy it. You know it's going to be just a good experience for everyone. And you're sitting back there going, dude, this is good. I love the way it looks How many ever had that moment? This is good. God's grace. This is good. Look at this creation. It's good. Man and woman, they're going to be fruitful and multiply and exercise dominion. Man, this is good. I can't wait for them. I can't wait for them to get here and enjoy this. Enjoy this. Isn't that awesome? That was His intent. Out of His character, creation walks us through several illustrations what of God's grace God's grace it was good and then he says very good right and then he says and then and then says he created us with purpose right right he says he created us with purpose be fruitful right multiply right we're created with purpose we are created in his image right genesis 1:26 then god said let us make man in our image we are to be fruitful and exercise dominion over the earth, right? It's not. He gave us purpose and meaning, right? And I shared with the, with the residents at the Continuing Care, where it says, let us make man in our image. When the people would have read that, back, back in the day, back in Moses' day, what happened was ancient kings who, who ruled over vast territories, what they would do is make images of themselves. And they would place these statues and these images of themselves all over the land. To remind the inhabitants of their authority and power, and so they're reading this, and it says, "Let us make man. In, let us make him in our image." What they would have said is, "Are you kidding me? We're made in God's image to represent Him throughout the earth. Wow, Isn't that awesome!" Uh, B, one of the residents there, she is, she, she she made this comment. It's so awesome. She goes, "Bloom where you're planted." So if we're made in God's image and we're to represent Him in the Ohio Valley and He plants you wherever He plants you at work, at home, with your friends, bloom where you're planted. Represent Him there. Be His image there. Isn't that awesome? Right? That's a different way to look at the whole Genesis and God's grace. He gives us purpose. He gives us meaning. Be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve got to enjoy intimacy emotional. They got to enjoy love. They got to enjoy physical intimacy. Right? It was good. And it was, it was okay. It was designed that way. I love this quote. Look on there. Shalom. Bill talked about shalom. Shalom means fullness of peace. Biblical writers use the word shalom to describe the world of universal peace, safety, justice, order and wholeness God intended. So, Genesis 1 and 2. He sits back. It's all very good. You know what there is? Shalom. And many of us just need shalom. Right? How many of us look at the world and get discouraged? Turn news and you just go, man, Lord, what's happening? And, and it's all around us. And we got to go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and go at a certain time when all was said and done, initial creation, there was what? Shalom. Because everything was the way God intended it. And He says, and we saw on Wednesday, Jesus says, hey, my peace I give you. And in a relationship with God, even today, we can still have shalom. We can still have peace in this imperfect world. Right, and so Genesis one and two, God is a God of grace. Spend time really thinking about that and how it challenges your picture of Him. Your picture of Him, right? I uh, I have a chair like this in my room, and sometimes at work, you know, I do a lot of work at home, all odd hours of night, and sometimes I'm sitting here working away. Out of the corner of my eye, I see one of my kids or my wife come in. And they kind of are hesitant sometimes. Kind of like, hmm, is this like do not disturb time? Or is this like it's good, right? And it's funny because sometimes they have all the different styles. One will come in just in and go, hey, dad, regardless of what I'm doing. One will stand right here. Just silently <laughs> Yes. Others will go sit on my bed behind me. <laughs> just like ooh, 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 ooh. right? Because when they're coming in, they're trying to discern how approachable I am. Let me ask you, how approachable is God? It goes back to how you view him, doesn't it? Right? Turn to Hebrews 4:16. we're going to close with this and we'll pick up next week. Hebrews 4. 4.14 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach... The throne of grace with confidence. Some say boldly so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when when in our time of need. So I got a question for you in your view of God. If this is God's throne and Hebrews 416 says we're to approach it with what confidence confidence, which means the ability to speak freely to pour out your heart. It's an attitude. Let me ask you: when 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 I say when you hear approach God's throne, is it the throne of judgment that you're approaching Him with? Are you approaching God with the throne of judgment, or are you approaching it as the throne of grace? It's a radical transformation if you can if you can let it go from here to here. Because some of us don't want to pray because we're not so sure it's a throne of grace. Because that's how we approach this throne is in prayer, right? In humility, we come to Him. What's your picture? Is it a throne of judgment or a throne of grace, right? And, it's, and I have to be careful because when I'm at work, and, and, and I'm human, and sometimes I get so focused, if I'm not careful and my kids appro- try to approach me and I snap at them, what? I'm busy. Can this wait? They're not going to be so apt to come the next time, are they? And I, and there's times where I have to I apologize and if I'm short. When they're there, you know what I have to do? I have to consciously choose to turn that off for a moment and let them know it's okay to talk to me at any time. You can come with me any time. You're not inconveniencing to me. You're more important than that. I want my kids to know that. They can come at any time to Dad. I don't do that perfectly, but that's my heart. I would be bombed. If my kids somehow I my body language and my tone and my attitude and snapping them, I would be heartbroken if my kids develop this attitude, I can't come to dad, he's too busy. Every time I go to dad he snaps at me. Every time I, and, and I was I'll just challenge this this week, like, Lord, when I come to you, God do I think you're too busy? Am I going to get snapped at by you? Is it not a good time? I mean, you're running the universe. <laughs> Who am I? What's your view of God? Are you willing just to say, Hey, Dad, i got a need. <laughs> hey, Dad, what do you think about? It's a stone of grace. It needs a God of grace. And He wants you to come in your time of need, which is actually 24-7. <laughs> And so, and so, this is what I want to do before communion. I want to give you an opportunity, just in 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 a minute or so, to close your eyes and choose to come to your Father with the heart that you're coming to as a throne of grace, whatever your needs are. Because right now, I'm going to tell you, right now, He's never too busy. He's not going to snap at you. He's not bothered. He wants you to come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace in your time of need. And so we're going to sit quietly and you just pour out your heart. Come with confidence, which means freedom. Pour out your heart. Pour out your heart. Just just pour it out. Just sit quietly. Whatever, Whatever your need is, whatever the burden is, just come to the throne of grace and enjoy just sitting there with this gracious Father who loves you so much.